Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, I'm Rohit from Lifestyle Mastery and today I'm excited to have Kulun Kornejo, who's a motorcycle enthusiast and a co-founder of Riders Share, uh, which is the first motorcycle peer-to-peer rental platform in the United States. Uh, he's currently doing his MBA from UCLA. Uh, welcome to the show, Kulun Thank you, Rohit. Awesome. So, so you know, can you talk about your journey uh, and, you know, how did you, why did you get into this crazy world of uh, startups and what made you start ridership? Well, you know, I've been a fan of technology and, and trying to start my own company for a long time. And, uh, and I, I have been looking for opportunities for years. And eventually I ran into one when I tried to rent a motorcycle and it was over $200 per day to rent one, you know, like for reference, buying a motorcycle will cost them like the monthly payment is out $200 per month. So it, yeah, so renting a motorcycle was extremely overpriced and I thought there's gotta be a better way to do it. Okay. And, uh, and you know, uh, did you come from a, you know, entrepreneurial family? Can you kind of talk about your childhood and, you know, uh, uh, and, uh, and what you've done before your MBA? Sure. Um, I was born in Texas, but I grew up in Peru because that's where my dad is from. And uh, yeah, my dad has started companies before. He, uh, one of his companies was in specialty chemicals for, you know, detergents for the textile industry. And another one was industrial heaters, which they used usually to, to like bake vegetables, uh, you know, for agro-industrial exports. And um actually didn't do very well in, in, in his businesses. So he always pushed us towards not being entrepreneurs, like go work for a corporation. It's a lot smarter. And okay. I think he's, he's right, you know, he's right. But, uh, but it's still, I, I couldn't resist the urge, the urge to, to start my own company. And um, I worked in the auto industry for like seven years. Uh, okay. For Nissan, GM and Hyundai doing that analytics, analytics and risk management. And, uh, and I got promoted quite a bit and, um, but you know, money is and happiness. And, uh, so I, I thought I could, you know, I could do a lot more. Like, I didn't feel like my skills were being used hundred percent at my job and, and when I'm running a startup, you know, it's, it's a lot harder. It's a lot more stressful. You don't make any money for a while and you're likely to fail, but, but you are for sure challenged to like, you know, do your very best. And that's, that's what's interesting for me. <laughs> Got it. So, uh, uh, so, uh, so you know, uh, you you've been in the, into the auto industry, so you have a, have a quite bit of an understanding about uh, about automobiles and about motorcycles. So, uh, so uh, you know, as, as you talked about, uh, you know, you you're trying to hire a motorcycle, but you couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't hire a motorcycle for for less amount of money. Uh, so on on, on rider share. What are, the, what are the kind of motorbikes people can hire and, you know, what is the cost involved, you know, somebody wants to hire for a day or for a, for a month? So we have all kinds of motorcycles. We, we pride ourselves on having the largest variety in the United States. Um, so you can rent, you know, Ducatis, BMWs, Harleys, it's all in there. 
And the prices range from $32 per day if you rent for a long time to $250 per day, depending if you're renting like a, you know, like a, like a luxury type of vehicle, like a more expensive one. So uh, yeah, there's a wide variety of prices, locations and makes. Got it. And, uh, and uh, are Americans more inclined towards, towards uh, you know, renting out and buying bikes, uh, which are the American bikes like, like Harley Davidson or, you know, or do you find people also looking into, into renting out the Hondas and the Kawasaki's? So our audience is a little younger. So while Harley Davidson is still like the most popular brand, it's not nearly as popular as it is with, you know, in other... Uh, the millennials, yeah. So I think they 25% of our trips are with Harley Davidson. Okay. But Harley Davidson's market share in the US is, is a lot higher. It's like 50%. Right. So, uh, yeah. But it's, it's all kinds of bikes. Uh, Harley, BMW, Ducati are the most popular ones. But we also see... Yeah, Japanese brands, English brands, and uh, another European ones. Got it. So, you know, how, how do you, how do you work on the on the supply and demand side? You know, how do you how do you make sure that you you are able to get the, the right sort of bikes? And on the other hand, how do you how do you get the uh, get the users on board? Uh, are you only focusing on on a on a B two C sort of a model? Right now we're peer to peer, most I mean, not exclusively, but largely peer to peer. And um, the way we, we got inventory initially was by doing PR. Uh, so basically, we contacted a bunch of motorcycle magazines and told them, "Hey, the Airbnb of motorcycles is here. Write about it." And that got us our first like, you know, that got the ball rolling. And uh, I also attended motorcycle events, handed out business cards left and right, and talked to as many people as I could forums, Reddit, Craigslist, uh, Yelp, Google Maps, you name it. Any, anything that's free, I used it and I've got banned from a lot of all these, of these places, you know? Uh, and so uh, once we had uh, supply, uh, we started, of course, trying to bring demand for that supply. And from there, it's just, it's just word of mouth, right? People use it, they ride a motorcycle, it's a fantastic experience. They save so much money compared to a regular rental. So they talk, you know, they tell about it to their friends and, and that. And so I think 85% of our listings came on board organically. And, uh, and, and, and uh, our revenue is also like 75% organic, you know, Google search or, or people that, or that found us via word of mouth. Um, to build a supply, um, besides, you know, word of mouth, we will, we use Facebook and Instagram ads, like videos, it's, it's, you know, it's simple, authentic content, just telling people exactly what we do, no exaggerations, no nothing. And then on the demand side, we, right now we're mostly focused on Google SEM and AdWords and, and, and SEO, right? So uh, we, we did a lot. We focus a lot on getting our website to rank organically, and we, but we also ran some uh, some ads on Google. And uh, in the future, we need to find new new marketing channels, right? We cannot depend on on, on just one channel for the man. Got it. Yeah. Um, so, Cindy, you said you received around one point three million dollars uh, in, in in booking requests. Um, so, 
uh, uh, with around 3200 plus plus bytes and and you also mentioned you know uh, when you reach out to me that, that you you're also looking at commercial insurance policy for for motorcycle sharing so um, so do you have you done you know tie-ups with other uh, you know insurance company or is it is it digital insurance uh, companies that you have uh, tied up with um, we partner with an insurance company uh, okay. we pay them a fixed amount per rental day at the end of each month and, okay. and, and they handle insurance claims, liability, all that stuff for us. Okay, okay, got it. And, um, uh, uh, you know, who are your other competitors uh, in, in the same uh, same area? Because uh, over the years, what has happened is uh, after Uber, you, you've got scooter rental companies like Bird and Scoot <laughs> who's come over. Uh, so you know, the, the, there is a lot of competition towards, or towards you know, a private and public transport. So, and so are, are you competing with, uh, uh, with uh, you know, do you think Bird and Scooter are also your competitors? We're not. So in the U.S. and like in India, motorcycles are not considered a mode of transportation. They're they're more in the power sports category. Okay. So. 95% of motorcycles in the U.S. are not used for commuting. They're just used for road trips or for fun rides. Oh, okay. So, uh, yes, surprisingly, right? And yeah. if you think about it, most bikes in the U.S. are like, you know, at least 600 cc in engine size. Like, they're, they're, they're pretty big. They would, almost all, all of the motorcycles in the United States would be considered like a luxury motorcycle in, in, in a developing country, right? Right. Uh, like 125 cc, you don't even see that on the roads here ever, rarely. So, so that's why we're not competing with, you know, with Baird or anything. Our, our biggest competitor is called Eagle Rider. Um, they're kind of like a, a traditional rental, you know, kind of like a Hertz shop, but they focus on motorcycles and mostly Harley Davidson. Okay, okay, got it. And, um... Uh, and uh, you know you you got uh, more than thirty two hundred hundred bikes on 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 your platform listed. So um, uh, you know how do you, how how do you plan to to scale it up? Uh, you know you, you talk about Facebook and Instagram, but you know uh, it becomes very difficult to scale uh, to scale it up using paid ads. Uh, you also talked about word of mouth publicity, but uh, but how do you uh, which how many cities are you already there in, and do you plan to expand it uh, internationally as well? Yeah, so currently we operate in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, our okay. insurance works in the U.S. and Canada. And uh, we focus most of our efforts in Los Angeles at first because it's like the largest market for motorcycle rentals in the U.S. And uh, so we have like 200 motorcycles here and half of our revenue comes from L.A. And, uh, you know, in general, every time somebody searches for a motorcycle rental in L.A., we're averaging $1.4 in revenue. And, uh, and that's only going to increase as we move up you know, those Google rankings. So um, now we're seeking to replicate it in other top cities for motorcycle rentals. And uh, and it's generally warmer cities, right? Cities with a lot of tourism. And uh, and then we'll go expand uh, internationally. Uh, particularly a lot of customers in the US are European tourists. So, okay. so yeah, we want to expand into Europe to, you know, to create network effects in that way. Current and uh, you know, uh, can I talk about how much funding have you raised and and you know what are you looking for, uh, uh, you know, going forward? Uh, how much more funding would you require to to scale it up? 
Um, we've raised $372,000 so far uh, from okay. a couple of institutional investors and angels. And, um, and we're raising a million dollars. We have about half of that committed. Okay, and, and how did you, uh, you know, uh, uh, get $300,000? Was it family and friends uh, who were supporting you? Or uh, was it because, you know, you're part of the, part of the MBA program that you, you got that? Uh, uh, that amount raised? Um, it was neither. So, well, yeah, the MBA program helped maybe with like $20,000, but uh, mm -hmm. most of our funding was because uh, a partner at a, at a small fund had his motorcycle listed on our platform and used okay. it and made, made a few thousand dollars out of renting it out. So he liked it. And then he led the round. <laughs> oh, okay. Very nice. Got it. And, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, can, can you talk about your, uh, your revenue model specifically, uh, you know, how much percentage of, of that, uh, of the booking do you keep for yourselves? Uh, and, and from the insurance also, do you, do you get to make money out of that? So the typical booking is $300. Yeah. And we keep half of that as revenue. Oh, okay. Awesome. But the, the way it works is we, we take 30% of, of what the owner charges. And then we upsell the renter with damage waivers, supplemental liability, roadside assistance. So it ends up that on average, we're keeping 50% of the total transaction. Okay. And, uh, um, and you know, can I talk about your revenue numbers in the last couple of months? Uh, uh, you know, since you're already making 50% of, of the revenues. Uh, so it looks like you know it's a it's a pretty good cash flow that you you're generating from these uh, from this uh, from this business. Yeah. So in in March we generated forty five thousand dollars in in net revenue, and in uh, in in April we generated sixty three thousand dollars in revenue. Got it. So fifty percent of that revenue is is what you're saying you you keeping as profits for yourself. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the total transactions in, say, in, in April were 127,000, and we right. keep half of that in revenue. Oh, very nice. Okay. And, and how big is the team, and, you know, who else is in your team other than you? Um, my co-founder, Brendan Lamb, is, is a software developer. Okay. And then a couple of months, we hired our first employee, another software developer. Okay. So, so you only, um, you know, three people who, who are trying to scale up the business. Correct. Okay, got it. And uh, you're trying to raise a million dollars, and you know how do you how do you plan to scale it up? Are you do you want to invest more into into building a team, or do you want to expand into other cities? What's what's the what's the way going forward? Uh, both. We need to. We're gonna spend most of that money in in into growing the company into advertising, but we also will need a, a couple of people to support that growth. You know, some somebody for customer service, uh, and a third software developer. We need to release mobile apps. And uh, and probably another, you know, somebody to to help with marketing and business operations is the day to day. Got it. And Guillermo, um, what are the kind of returns, and you know, what sort of an exit strategy can an investor look at when he's trying to uh, invest into a company uh, uh, like yours? Uh, is it is it a is it a long term game whereby you're not looking at profits but looking at a scale what Uber had done, uh, or maybe Airbnb has done in the last 10 years, or it's going to be a cash flow whereby, uh, you know, there's going to be a windfall after a couple of years for, for the investment. So, 
I'm not sure. So our goal is to, because of the dynamics of how people use motorcycles in the U.S., where it's yeah. more like a toy, you know, people only use it like 2,000 miles per year compared to 12,000 for a car, right? Yeah. So, so we think that uh, unlike other like rental, you know, peer-to-peer rental verticals, we think that with motorcycles, it's going to be a, more plausible to convince people to rent motorcycles instead of owning them all together, right? Right. So, so most people just have many motorcycles just sitting in their garage collecting dust. And so it's, um, it's not like cars where you use them almost every day. Right. So, so we think we have a good chance at convincing uh, you know, maybe I don't. Uh, you know, some a, a fraction of motorcycle riders to spend money on renting instead of owning. And right. The market people spend in the U.S. and Europe. People spend fifty billion dollars each year buying used and new motorcycles. Right. So if we can convince a small fraction of them to rent instead of own, then we got a ten billion dollar company, right? Right. And um, so that's kind of our goal. But along the way, I'm sure other companies will probably want to acquire us and that's probably okay as well. <laughs> Got it. And uh, you know, you, uh, you're part of, uh, you're currently doing an MBA and you want to uh, graduate in 2019. So, um, so how, how do you, plan, how, how do you, uh, you know, run your, your business along with your, uh, with your studies together? Because, you know, uh, MBA can be, can be really gruesome with a lot of project work and all. Yeah, so really question. So, um, you know, compared like it's it's be- it's better than having a full time job. It, it gives me more time to work on this than having a full time job, right? Yeah. That's, uh, so that's I think you know I'm not paying myself a salary, and I cannot afford to pay myself a salary. So the MBA program allows me to live on student loans for a couple of years while the company grows, <laughs> and uh, and also use some of those student loans to pay for the company if if needed, and. Um, and then a lot of the classes and homework, it's because it's about business, I can, you know, create an advertising plan. And well, perfect. I need one for a company anyway. So a lot, of, a lot of the work in the MBA program aligns with what I need to do for the, for the startup. And uh, with that said, like the, the biggest take away from the MBA program is the network. Um, right. right now, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to several venture capitalists that I would never have met if I hadn't gone to the MBA program. Got it. And, um, and, and you know, let's let, uh, quickly do the top three. Uh, uh, what's your favorite business book uh, that you've recently read? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Uh, what's your favorite business book? Oh, so uh, I, you know, for starting companies, I really like the Lean Startup, but that's right. too mainstream, right? So. Yeah. Uh, for platform businesses like mine, uh, a book I recommend is The Platform Revolution. It will help hone your decision making with platforms. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you told me about it before the interview, so you know, I, I'll I'll go and have a look at that. Uh, what's uh, you know, if you could go back in time when you started working on TriDoShare, what is the one thing you would have focused on? Um, I should have found a technical co-founder from the very beginning. Um, <laughs> Initially, I tried to outsource the the website, you know, to India, and it didn't work out. I, I wasted a lot of my own personal money. Like, I wouldn't have required outside investors if I hadn't made so many mistakes. 
And uh, I think having a technical co-founder would have, from the very beginning, would have helped. I only found a technical co-founder once we had launched an MVP and had some traction. It's, it's, I just don't have, at the time, I didn't have a lot of pe people like that in my network. Correct. Uh, and, uh, you know, what's your favorite online tool, for example, Gmail, Slack, uh, Trello? Mm. I think, yeah, Gmail is great because, you know, you have the Hangouts right there to talk to your team and, and your email. It's honestly, we use everything Google, you know, like our data warehouse is on Google. Our data visualization is on Google. <laughs> we use Gmail. <laughs> Everything's Google for us. Right, and uh, uh, I, I I totally agree. You know, Google is is one of the most important or uh, you know apps uh, which which I mean I use every day. Uh, so uh, you know, for listeners, what is the what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about about a company? Um, if, to con to contact me, you can reach out at Guillermo at riders share dot com, okay. or uh, or my or my phone number, which is six five seven four hundred three two one two. Got it. Uh, yeah, Guillermo, thank you very much for coming out of the show. I really appreciate speaking to you. Thank you, Rahid. How are one? Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.